What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on all of our newest episodes. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler and I will preview the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. We'll also talk about the Lakers reportedly hiring Darvin Ham as their next head coach, as well as some drama in baseball regarding a fantasy football league. All this and more on episode 248 of the Sports Kingdom show coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 248 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How are you, man? God, uh, it's good, man. I uh, I like this studio. <laughs> I could live in a place like this. It's got everything you need. That's funny. You, you could throw you could throw a cot in this thing and just be in a microwave, and you're good. Listen, the stories I've heard about the nights Bob has had to spend in the studios. I bet this. It's not so bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, this, this he's is a, he's a, a hard worker, so he's he's had to spend many a night in here. I bet this is like the best one we've ever ever had i think it's just the space oh yeah they're it's much more spacious than any other studio we've doesn't been feel in like a closet at all no the i mean the the other studio we were in before the the smaller one yeah no that, yeah 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 that one was cool but three but, of us in there yeah but that tv didn't work but this tv no, does yeah and... yeah that's, the tv i think also <laughs> makes a big difference <laughs> yes the tv is a nice touch uh, we got the Dodger game going right now. Um, they're currently down uh, five to two in the bottom these, of the eighth. These massive speakers are just teasing me. Oh yeah, Bob needed those good speakers to yeah. to work on all the imaging stuff for for AM five seventy. So, yep. Um, real quick, Tyler, before we get into the NBA Finals, I wanted to ask you uh, if you heard about the new thirty for thirty that premiered oh, last night. Did I? Okay. The greatest mixtape ever? Yes. Oh. No spoilers yet. I haven't seen it, but I just wanted to make sure you'd heard about it. You haven't seen the trailer? I no, I've seen the trailer. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, the actual the actual doc. I haven't yeah, watched it. Yeah, I haven't yet, watched but, the actual doc yet. But that was that's my fucking era right there. I so mean, that's, that was that was us essentially. The we greatest were, mixtape ever. It's all it's all about nineteen nineties street ball and then transitioning into the and one mixtape tour. It's like the t- the turn of the millennium hoop. You know, yeah, it, it, and really, really playing basketball outside. Um, it's I, I feel like it's not really done that much anymore. Yeah, no, it's just because now you know you have social media, and it's just everyone has everyone has this. Um, it was like a culture thing there for a while, and and one really, I mean, and one is really the one that changed the game. That was the pinnacle. 
they turned you know they turned highlight tapes into to mixtapes. No, the N one mixtape tour was must see TV in my household. Yeah, I mean it added it added interviews, it added music, um, highlights. It was it was uh, it was a vibe. Yeah, and then obviously, Ray for Alston, Skip to My Lou ended up making it to the NBA. He's he was for sure kind of the shining uh, piece of all that. Uh, the best, I mean, the best Hooper as far as like legit Hooper. Yeah, so I'm I'm very excited to to watch it. I'm it's Obi at Toppin's, the top of my Obi list. Toppin's dad. Yeah. He was a big one. Mark Jackson's brothers, Escalade. Escalade. Rest, rest in es- peace. Escalade was great. Professor is iconic. Um, uh, main event, AO, Half yeah. Man, uh, Half say, Amazing. I've, I've, had the, I've, had the oppor- there. I've had the opportunity to meet Hot Sauce and Bone Collector in my life. Okay. Both those guys. Um, uh, Spida. Unreal, uh, unreal influence. And and the trailer's great. The way they cut up the, um, the street ball influence into, like, people, you know, now in the nba running plays like that yeah it's or more like using those moves yeah i mean like you see some of the the ball handling that you saw on the n1 mixtape tour you can see kyrie irving steph curry some of the elite ball handlers in the nba doing some of those moves now and the nba you know nba street the video game was out at a very similar time i had both volume Uh, one and two those were great great basketball games and also you know like i mean it it iconic video games yeah i mean it took it took the street style and put nba players in a video game so it was dope yeah so all right it i had to make sure we were on the same page about that documentary that's gonna be great um just because obviously that was something that you know witnessed yeah so all right uh we got a lot to talk about now that the nba finals are here tyler so let's go ahead and do that come on you're getting paid ask something three seconds at midcourt final seconds you take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. Butt-ass naked. I just realized why you started off the show by mentioning the the studio space and the speakers, and I had the speakers like all the way up. So when I turned your mic off, mics off, uh, our mics off, uh, when I played the music, we just hear the thumping through yeah. our headphones. I was just like, oh, that's, that's what that was. That makes yeah. sense why Tyler started the show like it that. Was, it was, yeah, I was feeling it. <laughs> it was feeling good for a reason. Yes, uh, but all right, Tyler, the NBA Finals are here. They are tomorrow night, uh, if you listen right after this episode is uploaded, uh, or they are tonight, if you are listening on Thursday morning, uh, 6 p.m., San Francisco, the Chase Center, game one of the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors beat the Mavericks in five games to advance to their sixth NBA Finals in the last eight years. Steph Curry was named the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP, the inaugural Magic Johnson, Western Conference Finals MVP, I should say. Uh, the Boston Celtics, they were able to overcome all the odds after losing at home in Game 6, only to go down uh, to South Beach to beat the Miami Heat on the road in Game 7 to advance to the NBA Finals, their first NBA Finals in 12 years when they lost to Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers. Jason Tatum was named the inaugural 
Larry Bird, Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Um, this is the first time that the Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics have faced in the NBA Finals since 1964. Tyler, you want to take a guess at what Bill Russell's and Wilt Chamberlain's stat line was in 1964? I have it pulled up real quick. Um, I'm going to say Bill Russell was at... 28 and 24 okay and what will was probably some some similar 31 and 20 okay so bill russell was at 11.2 points per game 25.2 rebounds per game yeah yeah they didn't they didn't record blocks but i'm assuming it was at least seven eight or maybe even double digits um will chamberlain tyler you were much closer 29.2 points per game 27.6 rebounds per game I know. I knew that they were ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was way off on Bill Russell's points, but I knew those boards. Like I, I, you know, I, I remember those guys getting like twenty plus boards a game. I mean, their career average is like twenty rebounds a game. Yeah, it's it's unreal. <laughs> but the fact that it's the first time the Warriors and the Celtics are facing in the NBA Finals um, since nineteen sixty four, I think it's pretty crazy. Because the Warriors, they used to be in Philadelphia. Yep. Then they moved to San Francisco. This this was at the time they were in San Francisco. Boston was on their run winning championship after championship after championship. And then the teams, they kind of, I mean, except for in the in the 80s with the, with the Celtics. But the teams kind of had a lot of down years. And now the Warriors, they're in the middle of basically still their dynasty, six finals in eight years. Yep. That's impressive. And now the Boston Celtics, this main core, they've been to, I believe it's four out of the last six Eastern Conference finals. They've been they've been knocking at the door for a minute now. Yeah. So, I mean, the paths that these two teams have taken to get to the finals this season specifically, uh, the Warriors, they were the favorites for the majority of this, the regular season uh, after things were starting to play out during the regular season, they ended up finishing second in the West with a record of 53 and 29. Even after experiencing the slump of Steph Curry that happened after he broke uh, the all-time three-point record, and then Draymond suffered an injury that kept him out of the lineup for multiple weeks. Uh, they ended up facing the Nuggets, who they beat in five games. Obviously, the Nuggets had the MVP, Nikola Jokic, but they were missing Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Uh, the Grizzlies... They beat them in six games in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, the Grizzlies, they were missing John Morant for, I believe it was like the final three or four games of that series. And then the Mavericks, uh, they were just too much for uh, the Luka one-man band, as you like to call it, Tyler. Yep. Uh, the Warriors, they beat them in five games in the Western Conference pretty easily. So the Warriors, they kind of cruised to the to the NBA Finals. Now they handled business. Yeah. Now, the Celtics, they had high expectations coming into the season all year, and they got off to a really slow start. They finally catch a groove after the All-Star break. They end up going 17-5 and to end the season with a record of 51-31. and They were the second team. Uh, sec- they were second place in the Eastern Conference. They end up sweeping unexpectedly the Brooklyn Nets, and I say unexpectedly because most teams, or most people at least, we're picking Brooklyn to win that series, even though Boston was second place in the East and finished 
the the second half of the season so strong. Everyone thought that Brooklyn, the the super team, it's the playoffs now. They'll be able to just turn the light switch on and and get the job done. But nope, Boston sweeps them in four games. Then they have to face the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, who end up taking them to seven games, even without Chris Middleton. Um, I think personally, if Chris Middleton's in that series, I think it kind of ends up shaking out differently. But that's not how it goes. Um, then they're able to beat Miami in seven games, like I said, after falling down or after Miami ties the series 3-3 on the road in Boston. And usually if a, a team loses game six at home and has to go on the road for a game seven, that's that's usually a death sentence. So, yeah, they traded, they traded away wins um, right at the very end there, which is not easy. Yeah, and I mean, listen, Miami was the number one team in the East all year, and they flew under the radar kind of similar to how Boston did, um, at least in that first-round series against the Nets. Um, but two very different paths, I think, to the NBA Finals. And it's it's really going to be interesting to see how these teams match up. Uh, obviously, the health of Boston, I think, is the biggest question with Smart sustaining injuries, Williams sustaining injuries. They're both considered ready to go for game one. Um, obviously, on the other side, you got... Guys like Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton II, Andre Iguodala, all listed as questionable for game one. Uh, Clay Thompson, if he can play like he did in the elimination games in some of those series and and he can be consistently who we all know Clay Thompson yeah. to be, that I think is a big X factor. He's going to win a game or two. Uh, he definitely can win you a game or two. And, I mean, they the Warriors, they, they're he probably going to need it against the Celtics a, he team. He can win you a game in a, in a quarter. No, oh, yeah. No, what you know, what I like about both these teams when we're talking about the past, one similarity in their path is, you know, a couple years ago they just they parted ways with their superstars and went with their homegrown guys, and now KD and Kyrie yeah. are sitting at home. Yeah, no, it's so, a very good point. So I mean, it's kind of uh, you know, if you're a Brooklyn Nets hater, it's kind of uh, it's a little cherry on top knowing that Kyrie <laughs> leaves Boston. KD leaves Golden State. They were both, you know, Eastern Conference Finals and NBA Finals, respectively. You know, they were both great teams with those two guys. Both those guys leave, and now now they're still rolling. Well, and think about the Nets-Celtics stuff really goes back to the KG-Paul Pierce trade. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and uh, there there's a lot of similar – there's a lot of links with that Brooklyn-Boston, um, those teams. Uh, but I just thought it was funny that – Kyrie and KD got swept in the first round. They both left teams to team up, you know, and then yeah. both those teams have had great cores. I mean, it it was pretty silly to want to leave either one of those teams. And and we've talked about you know the hard way, building a franchise and not buying a team. And and I mean, look at these these squads. These are homegrown squads. This is all this is all drafting, scouting, and player development. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean. You didn't expect Kevin Looney to have the type of Western Conference Finals he had when he was drafted by the Warriors and and what he's turned out to be. Uh, I, I mean, mean, there's there's got to be twenty guys that played in the G League in this finals. Oh, Tyler, we have a a breaking news. What do we got? I was completely wrong before the show. Is that our guy? Michael Grove is in the game. That's our guy right there. Damn. Well, that's Freddie Freeman. But he, but I mean he's, he's on the he's on the as soon as it cuts Michael Grove's in the game for the ninth for the Dodgers seventy eight baby 
It's a grounder and, up and the middle. Got the la- and he's got the last name on the jersey this time. He had the he had the last name on the jersey. Did he? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You're positive? Uh, 100%. I don't know. Well, 100%. It looked crazy the first time. I was like, what the fuck? There what? he is. That's dope. Hell yeah. Getting it done. Dodger Uni clean. Yeah, well, Dodgers are going to lose this series of the Pirates. I don't know how that happens. Second series they've lost to the Pirates this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, th- these two teams, you know, you know, different paths, similar paths. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good one, and I think it's good for basketball. Yeah, even, even with the Warriors being so dominant um, the last, you know, ten years, it's, it's still. Uh, this is like a different. It's kind of a refreshing Warriors team now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same Warriors team, but it's also a, a very different. Yeah, Warriors the core, team. The, the core guys are there. Coach, big three. You know, they're they're all still intact, and then you know they just develop their their uh their role players around them what are some x factors for you for for both teams um i think for one it's going to be tough for boston with their starting lineup i think that there's some you never want to change your lineup to play another team's basketball but i don't know what they're going to do to have to start horford and robert williams i mean i would try to start tatum at the four and go smaller and and match better match up better because only one guy can guard Draymond, you know, and Al Horford can't guard anybody on Golden State but Draymond. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to run around with Wiggins, and he's not going to, you know, sometimes you can put the big guy on a, on a three-point shooter, but you can't put Horford on clay. No. And and then, you know, Robert Williams is your rim protector. I mean, really, you want him defending the center uh, because you want him around the rim. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what Boston does if they kind of say, you know, you you play to our game um rather than switching it up, but I think w- the Golden State with their death lineup starting lineup can match up with Boston and be fine. Yeah, I th- I think one matchup that I'm really looking forward to is that Kevin Looney and Robert Williams matchup. But I don't know if Looney's going to start. You know, I, I That's I I, I, I see I mean, I would. You think they? You think I the Warriors start, start the death Poole. lineup? I would assume they start Jordan Poole. So you think it'll be Draymond, Wiggins, Poole, Clay, Curry? Yeah, and I think that's gonna <laughs> cause all sorts of problems for Boston. I think they're gonna. I think if they start that lineup, they're gonna run circles around Boston. What? But I mean, now you know Boston has the players to 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 match up. I just, you know, I just don't think that they can start Horford and Williams. Like Tatum at the four, boom, we're good. Like. Yeah, you've got Wiggins and Tatum at the four. You can either roll with Williams or Horford at the five against Draymond, and then you know the three perimeter players are going to match up fine. My biggest thing with Boston and Kayvon Looney starts. It's easy peasy. Now, now, now you don't. Now Robert Williams can guard a big. Horford can guard a big. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think if you start Looney, that definitely plays into Boston's hands. But I think the biggest thing for me with Boston is their lack of a true point guard that can really get them set up and organized and, and mm. really get them running an offense. And I know I, I don't know, man. You could you could win championships with Ron Harper's and Derek Fisher's. You know what I mean? I think it's just having the right I, I mean Ron right. Harper and Derek Fisher had Kobe and Michael and Shaq and But but they, but I I meant more of like a complimenting like you don't necessarily need the star point guard. Um you just need the right point guard. Right, I mean Marcus Smart's a good a good point guard to have against a team like Golden State because he's a defensive guy. 
you've got your offensive workload with Tatum and, and Brown. Yeah, the one thing the one thing that the you Celtics know, really Tatum, do I have know Tatum and Brown is not Kobe and, and Mike, but they're those guys for the that team. Right. And you also have the fact that Tatum and Brown are two of the guys that while the Celtics have really been banged up, Tatum and Brown have been the two consistents that haven't missed really all that much time. No, and they're the, they're the superstars of their team. They're doing what they need to do. Yeah. Now, what do you make of the whole Steph Curry needs a, a finals I, I MVP mean, yeah, to, to I validate? Think that's all just BS. Yeah. I, I've never been one. I mean, I, we've talked about finals MVP versus regular season MVP on the show before. I'm just one that, you know, I, I still hold that regular season MVP in more prestige than a finals MVP. And I also just think, you know, finals MVP is so like, it just doesn't, it doesn't represent how great Curry was like him having one or not having one. It just, right. It just doesn't matter to me. Like that, that one trophy is not going to change my mind on the basketball player that he was. Well, and Andre Iguodala even says that he lucked into that finals MVP. Anyway, well, it's, it's not, it's not even lucked. I mean, that's sometimes that happens. He was the most valuable player in a series. You know what I mean? That's not, that's a good thing. Um, but it's also not like the end all be all. I mean, he was only able to do what he does because Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond were right. doing what you know. He was a complimenting player. They, you know, they were, he played LeBron the whole series. I get it, but that you know, people like that, like Andre Dahl, is kind of why I think you know that fi- that those regular season MVPs are way more important because it showed that you dominated for eighty two games, not you know five to seven games. Well, you dominated over the course of an 82 over, games. Yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah, over the course. You were the most valuable player over the course, and, and Curry did that back-to-back. Uh, I don't. And think, he was the first unanimous. I don't think that there's anything a finals MVP would say that would show you know, that that didn't. Yeah, and listen, yeah, Steph Curry is the greatest a, shooter of all time. He doesn't need a final. Like, he's already a, a top 10, 15 player of all time, realistically, at least in my book, probably. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I mean, he is, he's unreal. He's the outside of, outside of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always accept, you know, magic, uh, being a bit, but he's a big point guard outside of like small guards. He may be the best ever. You know what I mean? When it comes to just a, a, a true guard, you know, we're not talking about Kobe and Mike, you know, yeah. being perimeter wing guys. Um, we're not talking about magic Johnson and LeBron as like six, eight, six, nine point guards. I'm talking just, True hoop, true hoop, and like point guard, he's the goat. Uh, I, it's tough. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to say he's the greatest point guard of all time with Magic Johnson there. Well, no, but it's I, like, I, 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 know I get, you, I get I that. Know you know what I mean? know what you're and, saying. And I, I get that. Um, you know, I, obviously, what Magic did was unreal, but he was, he was. It's almost not really fair to compare the two. No, they're completely different players. Completely different players. I think Magic is is going to be with the LeBron, the Luca type of a player that's that's a thing you know um because of magic johnson right um but on the other hand curry is is that guy for that you know type of position he, he you know he changed the game oh i he changed the game and, for generations and i mean he's got he's got three rings already he's got you know two regular season mvps he's the greatest shooter ever he's got just accolades no that's and and, and to and if he comes home with another one right now and he wins four out of six that's going to be be nice no listen i mean you know and every everybody that knows me knows that i live on twitter and twitter is the the place where a lot of debate happens and and a lot of this greatness and and goat debates they happen on twitter and 
listen, if if and when the Warriors win this championship and he gets that finals MVP and he gets his fourth championship to tie LeBron and he's won behind Kobe and and there's there's going to be a lot of debate he, that's going to happen. They did, you know, they did what Michael did. You know, they went six, six and eight years. Uh, first first team to do that since Mike did. Yeah, but they didn't win three in a three and three in a row. No, no, but the six finals in eight years. Um, that's you know they're the only ones to do it in my lifetime. Uh, yes, other than Chicago. Yeah, which is pretty insane. You do, and before that was the Showtime Lakers doing it eight out of ten. You do you well? I mean, there's there's been plenty of teams like I mean you know the seventies had a team, sixties had a team, fifties boss you know Boston was in the fifties and sixties, but then this modern era of basketball. You know, this is when you start talking about the '90s Bulls. You're you're reaching, <laughs> you know, you're reaching thin air. Well, I mean, listen, we were talking about the the fact that Boston's been to four out of the last six Eastern Conference Finals, and the Warriors, like we said, have been to six out of the last eight NBA Finals. The Warriors' core have 123 games of NBA Finals experience, and Boston has zero. Yep. And so it's it's crazy to see the discrepancy in that and ha- and how much that is going to play a factor into this finals. Yeah, I mean Golden State's um confidence in themselves and and their process is has been solidified. They know what to do and it works. So, um that's a huge advantage for them. And I mean ultimately I think they're going to win. Golden State, yeah. Yeah, I, I I just, you know, with all that uh with a chip on their shoulder again, you know, and and just the offensive talent that they have, they're, they're deep. Uh, they present, night, you know, matchup nightmares all over. Uh, they've been there before. I think this is this is theirs. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Do you want to put a game amount on it? Because I know, mean, I'm. It's not going seven. That's it's a hundred percent not going like, seven. I, I guess I would I would go six because I think that. Boston's a little better than a gentleman's sweep, but I could for sure. I don't think it's a sweep. I don't think it's seven. Um, I think Boston can win a game or two. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely are on the same page that I am. I I want to say this will be, will be a gentleman's sweep because I don't want Boston to get more than one game, but I think they will get at least one game. Yeah. But I also want to give them the respect that they deserve and think that they could also maybe get two out of it because they – listen, as – as much as I want to hate on the Celtics, and it's literally been devastating over the last two, three days that like the Celtics are in the NBA Finals and the Lakers are going through what they've been going through this season, it's, I mean, I, I, good, I need good, to give them that respect. No, they're a good basketball team. I mean, they're, they've been, and they've been knocking on the door. This is not like a new thing. Um, this is a team that's been building to get better and get over hurdles, and they're still young, so... Uh, this is this is you know they're gonna they're gonna have their day uh, again you know they're gonna have other opportunities whereas Warriors know what it is they want they know what time it is their sense of urgency is way up there and the fact that they have a chip on their shoulder it, you know is is incredible because of how talented they are but they got beat up for the last two seasons so um, you know they they remember that you know they, oh yeah you know every team wanted to beat them up because they were they bullied the league for a handful of years. And when they were down and out, they got beat up, and now they're now they're back on top. Yeah, and listen, all the all the credit, or a lot of the credit, should go to Ime Udoka for not losing the locker room and and really riding the ship after such a slow start in his first year as head coach. He's a former player. Former players usually 
historically don't get that long of a leash here in the NBA as first-time head coaches, and we'll get to that in in a couple of minutes when we talk about the Lakers. Um, but I mean, seventeen and five after the All Star break with the way they started that season, and and for them to finish how they did, and it it really was as as a basketball fan first, you you couldn't do anything but admire and respect it. They're a, they're a, they're a good group of of young young players. They're they're going to be around for a long time. Yeah, and listen, I will they're say just, they're just getting here. I, I just have to say, at the core of every rivalry, there is respect. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the yeah, Boston. It's not like they've been super dominant, uh, but they've you know just keep, keep getting better every year. And they you know they stuck with their young core, and um, you know I like the way they built this team. They're not necessarily my favorite guys, but I mean, you got to, like you said, you got to respect how they did it. Yeah. Um, Dodgers are down to their last out. It's eight to two in the bottom of the ninth. Gavin Lux is up. Uh, Michael gave up some more runs. Uh, so not the, not the best outing, but listen, he's, he's just trying to work things out. No, he's there. Second, second appearance in the big leagues. He's there. So, anyways, Tyler, let's move on now. The Lakers, they have reportedly hired Darvin Ham, according to multiple reports. Um, he has agreed, reportedly, to a four-year deal with the team. Uh, according to all the reports that I've seen, he's going to have full autonomy to pick uh, who he wants to have on his coaching staff. And he's also been assured that Kurt Rambis won't have a regular presence during coaching meetings uh, like Kurt reportedly had over the past season with Frank Vogel as the head coach. Uh, the Lakers, they haven't technically officially announced the hire, but uh, we were kind of joking beforehand that since LeBron tweeted it, uh, tweeted out how excited he is about the move and, and both Woj and Shams have reported on the hire, uh, we pretty much know it's a done deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we know what it is. Uh, LeBron's the GM, the coach, the, the president of basketball operations. Yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah. He he runs the squad. If he if he signs off on it, it's it's a done deal. So I think one of the main reasons that Darvin Ham was hired was um, his ability to hold players accountable. And since he's a, a former NBA player, he has that ability to relate to the guys on on a different level than argument saying Frank Vogel could relate to the players because Frank Vogel didn't play at an NBA level. Um, for those that don't know, Darvin Ham was a role player on the 2004 uh, Pistons team with uh, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, and Tayshawn Prince that beat the Lakers in the 2004 NBA Finals. He also, like we talked about last week when we were talking about the candidates, uh, he won the 1996 uh, dunk contest. He was an assistant with the Lakers in 2011 uh, to 2013. So he's got some experience dealing with a star-studded team uh, since he was here for the Kobe, Nash, and first Dwight Howard stint uh, with the Lakers. Then he went to Atlanta where he coached, uh, of course, Al Horford. Uh, and I believe he was on the coaching staff where they had that uh, crazy uh, – where they had like all four star four or five starters make the all star team. I think he was on that staff. Yeah, yeah. The Corver, Jeff Teague. Yes. Uh, um Josh Smith. 
Was it Josh Smith? In Horford. Or no, no, then it was a few years before that. Yeah. Either the, way. Damari Carroll was on was like the fifth starter that didn't make the all-star team, I think. Either way, I just I just know Al Horford had some nice words for Darvin Ham earlier today at, at Finals Media Day. Uh, or was but, it was it Joe Johnson? Might have been Joe. It's probably ISO Joe. Uh, but anyway, he was in Atlanta till 2018. Then uh, since 2018, he's been in Milwaukee, uh, where he's obviously been the lead assistant under Mike Boonholzer, uh, and they uh, are the defending NBA champions uh, for the next about and, week and a half. And he, uh, you know, he played for Milwaukee and Atlanta, so obviously he's a guy that you know people like. Yeah. So, you know, to play for both or- those organizations and then get a coaching job there, you obviously made an impression. Yeah, definitely. Um, like and I said... Again, I, I like the fact that he's a role player. He was an intense player. You know, he was a physical player. So uh, I think those are good, you know, those are good personality traits to, to, to bring to the Lakers. Yeah, and I think that's honestly what set him apart from the other candidates that they were interviewing and i also think uh that his um him being a role player in during his career i think that's ultimately going to help with how he deals with russell westbrook because all the reports that we've seen over the past couple of days uh since darvin ham has been reportedly hired is Part of the interview process was how Darvin and and the other candidates the Lakers interviewed would incorporate Russell Westbrook, and I I just think that with bringing Russell back, either he's going to have to change, or obviously Darvin's going to have his own system and, and a new system, but something is going to have to change and a no, conversation that, is going to have to happen. Russell Russell was for sure a big, you know, topic with their their coaching search. Yeah. I and mean, you got to have a plan. You cannot just come in there, you know, willy-nilly with with Russell. You you know, you hope that he's got a plan. He probably I mean, I would assume he already has a plan, you know. Well, and in and, place and he's going to know, he's going to know what he's going to try and do with him. And from from all the reports we've seen it Basically, the Lakers, they're unwilling to add draft future draft assets in a trade to get rid of the $47 million that would be owed to Russell Westbrook once he opts into his player option, once he's allowed to do so, once the season's over. But I just, for me, I would still do whatever it takes to move Russell Westbrook. Uh, I obviously am a big proponent to trading future draft assets for proven talent, but you also have to make sure what you're getting in return fits what you want to do with your team. And and now you see, you know, you've seen how draft picks can be valuable, you know, and, and how you may not be able to buy, you know, a new team every single year. So maybe now the Lakers are holding those picks a little more valuable than they had in years past you know, just purely off of how the NBA is kind of moving. Yeah, and I think also to to kind of supplement that idea, Brian Kamenetsky, uh, he's one of the Kamenetsky brothers. He's been featured on ESPN Los Angeles, the LA Times. They, they've been covering the Lakers for years. Um, Brian brought up a good point on Twitter, and it had to do with the the idea of trading Russell Westbrook, and it's like, 
you don't want to make a second bad trade to try and undo the first bad trade. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, I, I agree with that notion and it's, it's, you just kind of have to start tempering your expectations as a Laker fan to, yeah. to right. kind of expect that Russell will be back on this team next year and they're yeah. just gonna have to figure it out. I would, I would expect that. I just think it's too hard to move and I don't think you want to give up, you know, young, uh, either draft picks or young talent nowadays, you know, and it kind of bit the Lakers in the ass doing it before. I mean, I mean, it, it resulted it, in a championship. So it, 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 they got they they did they got the bubble chip, but it's it's like, not a bubble chip. You wouldn't be saying that. It, hey, I said it when it was going down. The bubble was its own thing. It's still a championship. I'm not saying that, but three of the four seasons or th- two of the three seasons they missed the playoffs, uh, and then the, or two of the four seasons they missed the playoffs. That LeBron's third, been here, yes. A third season they got out in the first round. You know, so like I I do I get it, but. Also, you know, now they're in a sh- now they're in a shithole. Um, yeah, this, you know what I mean. It, it's I'm not saying it didn't work out, but we also don't. You know, it would have been nice to see how the the young the young core would have worked out too. Um, you, you know, just seeing these teams now, you don't you don't know, and, and we'll never know. We'll never know. That's a what if you could go around for for days. But I think that you roll with Russell. Um, you hope that AD's on the court and he can you know help with some of those too. Russell's role is going to be different. Um, he didn't really get the role that he wanted this year. Uh, so, you know, I, th- I don't think it's like, I don't think it's the worst thing to bring Russell back. And it, listen, it's, you're going to have like, yeah, you would like to move him. But when it comes to the other options, I think he's a better option than, you know, like we've talked before. It's not like John Wall is going to be any different. Yeah, are um, trading him for Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and yeah, yeah, Plumley. It's not that. Yeah, that's what, that's so. It's like with with what you got, I would rather fill out fill out that roster around Russell and LeBron and Ant. Problem is, no, there's than, there's no cap space. Well, yeah, but that's where you gotta you gotta get creative and you gotta find you gotta find talent and you know undrafted free agents uh g league players that's what all these well they'll doing, be able to I mean? sign guys so, to the minimum but so i mean i think guys like but different Stan, type Stanley of guys. johnson yeah those guys austin reeves you need you need to put offense you know guys that are going to spread the court and make russell and lebron and ant better hopefully malik monk takes a hometown discount to come back but, but you know and i think ant is a big big part of all that you know, if he's on the court, maybe, you know, you can hide some of these flaws that Russell has because well, he spreads it out. Speaking of Anthony Davis, I want to talk about him for a second because one thing that I'm very, very curious about with Darvin Ham being hired is how he uses Anthony Davis and the relationship that he will have with Anthony Davis because Darvin Ham is coming from Milwaukee and just having coached Giannis Antetokounmpo to back-to-back MVPs, uh, a finals MVP, an NBA championship, defensive player of the year. Uh, I I really am very interested to see how Darvin motivates Anthony Davis to take his talent to, to another hey, level. Hey, that fucker's just got to be in uniform, man. We just need no, him I, in uniform. I get that. I get that. I'm not doubting yeah. that Anthony Davis doesn't yeah. have the I dog think, in him. I think, but I think that if he's out there, they're going to be all right. No, I, I completely agree, but it's like I want Darvin Ham in practice telling AD what Giannis would be doing. Yeah, like, he should be saying, motivated. hey, Giannis is fucking mopping the floor with you. This has been a conversation over the last five years, and Giannis has pulled away. 
Yeah. Giannis you, is a you, different you animal. You pulled away at first, and now Giannis is past He's you. a different animal. Um, and so it's like, you got that in you. But I think Ant does have that in him. He, he is completely capable of being I, a I top agree. five player. I agree. Just, that dude's got to be on the court. That's plain and simple. And it's not, again, I I hate saying that because it's not Anthony. It's not his fault. He doesn't want to be injured. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he's, he's you know, he's damn, damn near damaged goods at this point, uh, which is, you know, he can still recover from I'm it. not ready to call Anthony Davis damaged goods yet, but if, at this if, point in his career, if things, if it, if it ended today, he had a, he had a bagged up career. Um, but he, he's still young enough to, and he's a big guy. You know what I mean? He doesn't necessarily rely on like athleticism. He's a skilled big guy. So it's like, he's going to have a long career. He's going to be fine. Uh, and he can turn around if he can stay healthy. But so far, I mean, he's missed a lot of games. Yes, that's true. But well, and he's been in the league damn near ten years now. Yes, never played eighty-two. Oh, you pulled up his basketball reference. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, he's yeah. It's and we knew we knew what it was in New Orleans. Um, you you know they weren't necessarily serious injuries, but it just seemed like one would happen all the time. Yeah. But anyway, back back to Darvin. The, la- the last two seasons, he's played seventy-six games. Yes, the last two seasons have not been great, and 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 I, you know, I've I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. If Ant Davis is healthy, those two years go completely different. I don't disagree. Yeah. So, uh, it, it you know, Darvin Ham will. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do with with all these guys, and yeah. it'll be, you know, if he can get Ant Davis on the court, we'll we'll see what he can do with him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely going to have his hands full in his first year as a, a head coach and. I mean, listen, he's got to coach LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and probably Russell Westbrook. And, oh, by the way, it's for the 17-time world it's, champion Los Angeles it's Lakers. A, it's, a, it's a gift and a curse. That's what it is. I yeah. Mean, that's, you get, you're, getting, you're getting two of the best. The, you're getting two of the top ten players in the world. So it's not like you don't got shit to work with. Um, but it's a volatile time. You know, the franchise has been in a struggle period the last couple of years, uh, you know, mainly with injuries, but with wins as well. No, the fr- the franchise so, is at uh, a fork in the road and, type of type of point in their history. I and think they've got to they've just got to find the right guys. They got to find the right guy, the right mix of players. They have plenty of talent. It's just the right players. You know what I mean? You don't need the best players. You need the right players. Yeah. All right, Tyler, we gotta wrap up the basketball talk because uh, we got some drama to talk about from baseball that doesn't even really involve baseball, but we'll which, we'll get into it. Which is why it's cool. Here we go. Clayton Kershaw pitches a no-hitter, a career-high 15 strikeouts. He's a new all-time hit king in Major League history, number two, five, eight. My, oh my! Line to left field, moment after moment, memory after memory. The Dodgers have done it again. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Muncie hits this ball to deep right field. Forget about it. Muncie with a splash hit. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. Swing and a drive. Absolute madness. It's going to take forever to get this thing straightened out. That went straight play. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. All right, Tyler. The Dodgers they lost eight to four 
They scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth. They weren't able to complete the comeback. But I have Michael's final line. He pitched one inning, uh, the ninth inning. He gave up three hits, three earned runs. He had one walk. uh, And his Major League ERA, unfortunately, is now up to 5.79. So tough night for the Dodgers. Tough night for Michael. But, hey, like I said, second appearance in the big leagues. Yep. We're just making progress. Making progress. But, Tyler, like we were saying, some drama on the diamond over the weekend. Uh, The Reds, the Cincinnati Reds and the San Francisco Giants played a series. And on Friday, before the first game of the series, left fielder Tommy Pham, who plays for the Cincinnati Reds, went up to Jock Peterson, who plays for the San Francisco Giants, and slapped him in the face. And it came afterward. It, it came out afterwards that the slap was over a dispute from a fantasy football league that both Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham were members of. Um, essentially, Tommy Pham was upset that Jock Peterson had been uh, supposedly stashing players on the injured reserve part of his roster and was basically able to add other free agents to his roster when he technically shouldn't have been. The Giants, uh, after the slap happened, and it was essentially a benches-clearing incident, but it just happened during batting practice beforehand in the outfield. So it was a, I don't know, that the way that's the way Jock described it after the fact. He was like, it's a, it was a benches-clearing incident, but it was in the outfield during batting practice. So I don't know. Yeah. Um. Anyways, the Giants, they reportedly asked for Tommy Pham to not be in the lineup for the game Friday night after the slap. Uh, It came out afterwards. Tommy was suspended for three games total Friday, Saturday, Sunday, essentially the entire series with the Giants. Um, Tommy says uh, that that was essentially pressure from Major League Baseball. Um, I, I can't confirm nor deny that. Um, but he basically missed the entire weekend series with the Reds and the Giants. After the game, Jock speaks to the media, and obviously he's asked about it, and he he went on for like three minutes. I Tyler and I were talking about it. I had all the audio cut up, but it was like nine minutes, and it was it, too long. Anyways, Jock gives his side of the story, and Warren Sharp, who's a reporter for The Ringer and NBC Sports. He's he's a football reporter. He did the math on when all of this went down based off of Jock mentioning that Jeff Wilson was on the injured reserve for uh, either him or Tommy Pham, and Jeff Wilson was a player for the San Francisco 49ers. And basically, Warren Sharp was able to do the math and basically find out that this is all going on during the 2020 season. And based off of Jock Peterson mentioning Jeff Wilson of the San Francisco 49ers, Warren Sharp figures out that this is happening during the world series that the Dodgers are playing against the Tampa Bay Rays. And, and Jock Peterson is in this heated fantasy football argument while winning the world series for the Dodgers in 2020. And basically fam felt that Jock was messing with his money and, Clearly, this is probably not a cheap league if it has to do with 
well, Major League Baseball Mike players. Trout's the commissioner, right? Yeah, exactly. If, if oh. Mike Trout's the commissioner, there's there's some, some high rollers in here. Some money behind it. <laughs> yeah, and this this league has players from multiple teams on it, so it's it's a league wide league, <laughs> the league wide league. Yep. Um, and Tommy Pham actually yesterday in an in an article called out Mike Trout for being a bad commissioner, and Mike Trout today was basically like. He, he was kind of coy about the whole situation. Mike Trout's obviously a very private person. He's the best player in baseball, but you would never be able to pick him out of even a police lineup. Um, but he was basically coy about it, and he was just like, eh, every commissioner I, I know or have ever heard of, they've always been booed. So I'm, I'm not going to take what Tommy says too harshly. Um, but for me, the best part of all of this is in the group chat, while they're arguing about all of this, and Jock says that there's others. Uh, sorry, let me backtrack. Tommy says that Jock, aside from all of the fantasy football stuff, Tommy says that Jock was talking shit about Tommy Pham's former team. And if you go back to the 2020 season, Jock's on the Dodgers and Tommy Pham is on the San Diego Padres. Padres fans like to think that there's a rivalry between the Dodgers and Padres and well, the Dodgers dominate the Padres, and that's just that. But Jock sent a gif of the basically three weightlifters throwing stuff over their head, and literally it's the Giants over the Giants logo over one guy, the Dodgers logo over another guy, and the Padres logo over the third guy. And the Giants and Padres guy get throw something over, and it goes over whatever bar it's supposed to go over. And the Padres guy throws it up, and it lands right back down on the guy's head, and it knocks himself out. Basically, Jock making fun of the Padres, and, and Tommy took offense to that. And that was another reason for the slap. And so, I mean, to me, that's that's the best part of all of this is Jock was in the middle of winning a World Series, winning a fantasy football league debate, and talking shit about the Padres. It's, it's one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. And, and Mike Trout was saying how it's like, he was being interviewed today, and he was just like, oh, the media keeps dragging this out, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, dude, this is one of the craziest stories in ever. Yeah, no, it's weird. I mean, it's just a, it's a funny fantasy football story. And it's it's only funny because everybody plays fantasy football, so they know how serious some people take I it. I mean, I'm looking at the commissioner of my fantasy <laughs> football league right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's funny because like these guys are just like us. Literally just like us. Yeah, so it's uh, that's what's cool about it. It's it's a funny story for sure. I mean, to get, you know, these guys are all riled up over fantasy football. I get it. Yeah. And Tommy Pham, I mean, he, he must be serious about it. I mean, so he, he was quoted. He's like, listen, I'm like a big time gambler. Like I'm a whale when I go to Vegas, like people yeah. know me. And I mean, apparently the reason he was stabbed outside of a nightclub a couple of years ago was for fantasy football reasons as well. Like yeah. Tommy Pham is, He's a crazy person. He, yeah, yeah. Jock literally said after the game on Friday, he was like, he literally walked up to me and was like, you remember like last year? And Jock was like, what, fantasy football? And he, and Tommy was like, yeah, and just slaps him in the face. Yeah, it takes it serious. Don't mess with Tommy Pham's money is the lesson. But to me, Tommy Pham is a legit crazy person. No, I mean, he's, a, he's, obviously, <laughs> he's obviously a character. You 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 don't meet a lot of people who, you know, got the balls to go up and do something like that. No, 
And I mean, he ended up getting suspended three games for it. Yeah, yeah. No, over fancy football. Like it's crazy. He, he got suspended for something that has nothing to do with baseball. No, it's a it's a pretty wild it's a pretty wild story. Yeah, but, but anyway. I think it just like it, the best part is it just shows that they're you know they take they take it just as serious as we all do. You know, I mean, maybe even more just because of the amount of money in it. Yeah, but anyway, just had to had to end the show on that because it was such a wild story. No, it is a wild story. Um, but all right, Tyler. Um, I'm gonna shout out Aaron Donald. Um, I just I need to shout him out. He's the greatest football player of all time, in my opinion. Greatest football player I've ever seen with my own two eyes, at least. Um, I just I keep seeing headlines about him contemplating retirement. Uh, if he doesn't get a new deal from the Rams, he's got no more guaranteed money left on his deal. So he obviously wants an extension after the Super Bowl and after everything he's done for the franchise and being the best football player of all time. Uh, I don't blame him, and I just I don't know how Stan Kroenke hasn't just given this man a blank check yet. But, I mean, that's obviously not how business works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it from both sides. It's it, like, you know, Donald's got nothing left to prove, um, so he can be patient about this kind of stuff. And it's tough to open up the checkbook for a D lineman. No matter how great he is, you have to spend money in other positions. Um, yeah. So, you know. And they like, are spending money in other positions. And they are. So, it's it's uh, you're you're in a tough pickle. But um, it's not something you want, but uh, I mean, I would see, I could see him, I could see him walking away. I he says he's at peace with walking away if he doesn't get this new deal, and I, I mean, I just can't imagine not seeing number ninety nine line up for the Rams next season. It needs to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it it eventually will, but he's probably gonna have to take you know less than what he would deserve. I guess you'd say. I mean, he says he has a number that he. It won't accept anything less. And I'm sure if we looked up whoever the highest played defensive player in the NFL is, that's the number. You know, uh, I got to assume that he wants to be the highest played defensive player in the NFL. Um, well, yeah. I, I don't really see any, you know, any other number. Uh, the highest paid for the 2021 season, TJ Watt, $28.003 million. Yeah, so he's probably looking for 30 mil. And I don't blame him. You know, yeah, I don't blame him either. But that's where it makes it tough for the Rams. Can, yeah, I mean, can they invest thirty mil into you know a D lineman and and still fill out the rest of that roster? If Robert Sarver isn't willing to commit thirty million to DeAndre Ayton, will Stan Kroenke be willing to commit thirty million to Aaron Donald? Oh, the Ayton one's way worse. You gotta you gotta commit that money. You you need. I mean, no, I know. I'm just. You need, you need him. You to, can't even make that comparison. And, and, I don't, and I don't necessarily think that the Rams don't need Donald, but it's just just what it is. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's similar to these wide receivers and the running backs too. Um, you know, is it is it worth paying Devontae Adams thirty million, or are you going to spend that thirty million on eight football players? Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough. It's a tough. <laughs> I wouldn't want to make that decision. I wouldn't. Want Thank to, God I don't have I, to. I wouldn't want to be in Kroenke's position at all. No. But all right, uh, you got a shout out? Yeah, uh well, you know, shout out um the the uh unfortunate, untimely uh death of Marion Barber today. Yeah. Uh pretty Shocker. wild. He was um he was a great running back. He, he was, was a beast. A big physical, you know, running back cowboy. Um was part of, you know, a dual backfield with uh Felix Jones, I believe. Yeah. Uh and and so, you know, it's always sad to see something like that. And he was so young. He was 38 years old. Um, found dead in his apartment. So.
So yeah, I mean, rest in peace, yeah. Marion Barber, great football player. Um, yeah, another another one gone too soon. Yeah. So with that, that wraps up episode 248 of the TSK show for Tyler Pachulki. I'm Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Sports Kingdom show. Peace.